Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys. My name is Lee Davis, the Chief Executive of SEPA, and through this series of podcasts, I'm going to invite SEPA members and some of our key partners to share their stories with me. I am joined in this great adventure by my co-host, SEPA Council Member and Honorary Secretary, Gwilym Roberts. We are the two IPs in a pod. Hiya, Gwilym. You been up to anything interesting lately? No, Lee, I'm in lockdown. However, I do have some questions uh, for you. I've got loads of questions, but I want to focus on one because there's a theme that's coming out. People are interested. We left the story of your tortoise that it was living in a kind of a hippie threesome with a pair of Crocs. Uh, yeah. How's that doing? Are they getting on okay? Is there any tensions there? Well, he's, he's worked out that they're both female Crocs, so he spends most of his time trying to breed with them. I have absolutely no idea... <laughs> in sort of reptilian breeding stages and if you cross them with the tortoise and all this sort of thing what you end up at the other end of it so if you take a croc and you cross it with a tortoise i've got no idea what comes out but um i'll um i'll be a bit worried if it starts biting my toes have i told you his name by the way (laughs) i've been wondering what's the name what is the name of your tortoise his name is albert treacle any any reason for those names uh my granddad's name was not albert so we called him albert that makes sense. Yeah, well, my granddad's name was Sydney, but all of his friends and family always called him Bert for no reason we could ever work out. So we thought we'd um, name the tortoise after him. Oh. And the kids really wanted to call the tortoise Treacle. So we thought, well, we'll give him a surname as well. And whose are the crocs? Uh, the, well, the, the, the crocs, one of those things that I think uh, Anne, my wife and I bought a number of years ago when people wore crocs. And we don't anymore, obviously, because they look a bit sad, don't they? So, um, so they, they just loiter out the garden now to entertain the tortoise throughout the summer. <laughs> hey, this is really exciting. Today, we're putting the spotlight, spotlight, spotlight on um, patent attorney training. It's so exciting. Uh, we've got the future of the profession with us, Gwilym. That's not to say you've not still got a future, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we, yeah, sorry about that. We've got uh, three student members of SEPA, each at different stages of their training. I'll introduce them one at a time. Firstly, my great pleasure to introduce Carolyn Palmer. Carolyn is a trainee at Schlick Limited and is also the Honorary Secretary of the Informals, which means she gets to sit on SEPA Council. Hiya, Carolyn. How are you finding life in lockdown? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about where you are with your training? Hi, Lee. So, yeah, lockdown. Um... It's bringing lots of new experiences, but I think we're coping um, okay. Um, As for training, um, obviously exams this year have been a little different um, with the EQEs being cancelled and and now the sort of UK exams um, are sort of up in the air, um, I guess. But I'm just trying to maintain um, a level head, (laughs) keep calm. Um, You know, I had revised for for the EQEs. Um, and I will repeat that revision um, next year. And for the UKs, I think my plan is to hopefully um, get some news from from the PEB um, maybe this month or, or next month, and then to start my you know revision plan. If indeed the exams are going to go ahead, whatever format they're going to go ahead in, then I will start my revision probably in around June. Well, I think fingers crossed we we'll get some certainty soon on that. On, on the EQEs, I don't think you've got a lot more to do, have you? Aren't you fairly close to completion? Yes, I am. So I guess I'm looking that I've um, passed papers um, B, C and D. So I just have 
paper A to go, um, which is a good thing, you know, in some ways, because I guess I only had, I only missed one paper um, this year. But I think when you're that close, you sort of just want to, you know, kind of wrap it up. And I think the, you know, the exams being cancelled, sort of, I don't know, you feel like you're so close, but yet so far. That was a nice understatement saying that they were a little different this year. <laughs> they just weren't. <laughs> well, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> a big difference this year. We've also got Kevin Rich with us. Kevin is at Potter Clarkson. Hiya, Kevin. How are things with you and um, how's your training going? Hi, Lee. Uh, yeah, following on from what Carolyn said, I don't think I've been impacted nearly as much, really. I'm, I'm right near the start. Uh, we take the foundation exams rather than doing the certificate at Potter Clarkson. So we've just finished three of the five foundation exams. Two more coming up in October, provided everything goes ahead, as we've said. Um, who knows what format they're going to take, but at the minute we're just taking the approach of they will happen, we'll um, prepare as if they are going to happen and just adapt based on whatever information comes at us. So I think I'm fortunate that at least my training doesn't seem like it'll be disrupted too much by this. I'm not being um, held back from taking certain exams yet and I've not had to do a load of revision that came to nothing that people have to repeat. So like my heart goes out to people like Carolyn and yeah. the trainees that have had that happen to them. Now let's hope we return to something that looks a little bit like normality fairly soon so that you can start to plan ahead. Yeah. And we've also got Joel Briscoe with us. Joel's at HGF. Um, welcome to you, Joel. How have you been coping? And um, what about your training? Where are you? Thank you very much, Lee. Um, I, uh, like Carolyn's near the end and uh, Kev's near the beginning, I'm exactly in the middle. So I'm um, pretty much halfway. Uh, I've got halfway to go. I've done my uh, UK foundations. Unfortunately, I was weeks away from the cutoff of sitting the pre-queue, um, which now means I also don't get the buy, even though I didn't sit it. So um, either <laughs> way around, I'm just sitting in March 2021. Um, and I'm due to be taking my first lot of finals, um, FD1, 2, and 3, I think I'm planning to do uh, this coming October, all fingers and toes crossed. Speaking of fingers and toes crossed, um, and this is sort of like hot off the press for, for you guys that are looking to sit the pre-examination next year, and uh, Carolyn, who still needs to, to do one of her papers, we, we were all set to do the um, to stage the EQEs in Bristol next year using the um, UWE's conference centre, but it's of course been turned into a Nightingale Hospital, and we learned only last week that um, it's not going to be stood down. So it will still be a Nightingale Hospital. So we've um, we've had to look again for a venue for next year, which is um, which is quite a difficult thing to do when you're locked down. You can't trundle around the country looking at venues. So again, there'll be there'll be some news on that soon. We think we think we've got a, a an ideal location, but we're we're planning for maybe five six hundred candidates next year. So it's a it's a big upping of scale for us. It, it, we need to find about two thousand square meters of floor space. So if anyone's got a large garage free or Gwilym, what's your basement like? Um, they can. Sh I've got my. I mean, I've been relegated to my bedroom. It's quite big, though. I can get most of the informals probably. <laughs> Actually, Lee, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to go off script straight away and express a personal opinion, which is that the sooner we start moving towards dealing with the exam problem by making them remote, the better. Yeah, well, you're, you're going to get no argument here, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
How about you guys? How would you feel about um, examinations being remote in some way, shape or form, whether that's online or, or done at your desk? Yeah, um, whoever, whoever, dive in. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it if you two don't mind. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, it's just the way things are going anyway, uh, moving towards remote exams or online processes. I, I understand there might be a somewhat of a change in the exam structure itself to accommodate for that, but we get compared to many different professions in this profession, you know, actuary or accountancy, and in terms of professional exams and the diff level of difficulty of our exams, especially when we get compared to actuarial exams and things like that. But um, those are the professions have evolved and adapted, and I think we're just next in line to do so. So I'm really looking forward to it and uh, the new challenges that may bring, however that may be. Karen, Kevin, are you in the same place, really? I think, yeah. Um... I think it would allow a lot of greater flexibility and I think that's essential, you know, moving forwards. And I think the whole coronavirus situation has just, you know, brought that forwards. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely would support um, having, you know, um, online exams. I think doing them, well, thinking about logistics, doing them in the office might be, you know, a little difficult because, you know, some office is quite busy and, you know, the noise and several things need to be worked out. But I don't think those, you know, hurdles are insurmountable. I think, you know, I think we could work that work that out quite easily. And um, so, yeah, I would really welcome um, the PEB, you know, implementing um, online exams, if, if at all possible. And um, that would be great. Yeah, I think I agree with the other two. And uh, especially with online exams, it's, I mean, the last time I had to hand write a letter was, well, I haven't. We do it all via the computer now, so why wouldn't you be doing the exams on the computer? And I can type a lot faster than I can write. My hands are trained to do that. And I found, especially two of the exams, we had two three-hour exams, six hours of exams in one day. Part of my training was working up stamina in my hand to just keep writing. And yeah, I remember getting cramp at one point and stretching my hands out just as part of the exam experience. What exercises would you recommend? <laughs> I would just pass papers, write and write and write and write, nothing other than that. <laughs> hey, Gwilym and I learned a new word last week. I don't know if you, if you uh, folk know it. Proctoring. 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 Yeah. It's got, it's, it's got nothing to do with a proctoscope or anything like that. <laughs> I was going to say, in what context, Lee? <laughs> in, the, in the context of taking examinations at your desk. Apparently, it's, um, it's a worm-type program that can be installed on your computer. So it locks down access to the internet and mm. yeah, prevents you from doing anything on your screen apart from the examination. It takes over your webcam so that you can be monitored all of the time. And it's called proctoring. Sounds good. Wow. Can't wait to be watched. <laughs> you can't, can't, can't wait to be proctored. <laughs> hey, it's been, um, it's been fairly tough, hasn't it, for all, all students in all walks of life over the last few months. So how are you three maintaining your training and your exam prep whilst you're working from home or wherever you are? Well, I had a tutorial today. So uh, my lunch break was having a tutorial, thankfully, with one of the tutors who does the JDD course for designs and copyright. So we're just fortunate enough that they're at Potter Clarkson and we've uh, roped them into continuing with tutorials via Teams. And um, it's no different except we're just not all in the room. Try to make sure we have cameras on so at least the person tutoring us sees that we're there and paying attention, which of course we are. Um, but so far training is continuing as if nothing's happened. It's just remote. And is, yes. that, is that... Sorry. No, go on, John. 
Um, I was just going to say, just the only thing I would um, add to that is, uh, yeah, it's just kind of trying to, to stick to some sense of normality. Um, the, the, the length of time at which we study and revise for these exams is such that even though we might be unsure about the future of them, we've got to begin now. Um, and that would be the case at any point um, I, before I even got approval from our internal HR department about what exams I couldn't, 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 could not sit, you know, got them all approved anyway. But um, I'd, I'd begun the revision process and that's just the kind of the way that this industry works is that you want to give yourself the best chance to start as early as possible, early as reasonably possible. And um, yeah, you've got, you've got to kind of continue as, as if everything's going to go to plan uh, regardless just the mechanism by which uh, you do those revision sessions or training with uh, certain supervisors or partners within the firm might have changed or mentor uh, groups might have changed. But if anything, I think speaking personally about HGF anyway, it's kind of opened it to be a bit more office based to much more wider cohort based. So yeah. everybody sitting FD1 will be added to a mentor group now on Teams because it's the mechanism by which we're using um, and that's mixed it up quite a bit um, rather than me, as much as I love my fellow trainees in the Sheffield office, uh, rather than us working together again and again and again, we're now we're included with different groups across the entire firm, uh, across all the many offices that we have. So it's, it's definitely changed up a bit. And it's, it's quite interesting, to be honest, to speak, to speak and revise with different people across the firm. I think for my experience is probably a little bit different because I'm from quite a small firm and so there's not a um, you know large group of trainees here and um, because of the stage I'm at now where I've passed the um, legal paper for the EQEs and also the legal paper for the UKs, my sort of tutorial um, structure has maybe become slightly less structured, you know, um, because for the UK, you know, um, the exam that I'm looking to sit in October is P6. And so I think for P6, the main thing is past papers. And if I'm completely honest, I'm kind of holding out slightly um, for the PEB to confirm what's going on before I get into a, a full-blown, um, you know, past paper ritual because I have actually done P6 before <laughs> and um, it wasn't a particularly enjoyable experience, um, you know, spending my whole of a Sunday doing a P6 paper and then marking a P6 paper. And um, so I kind of want the PEB to hopefully confirm sooner rather than later and uh, what's going on with the UK exams so that I can, you know, structure my revision program accordingly. Well, f fingers crossed. I know they're meeting this week. So um, hopefully that that'll be out soon. No, they've, they've taken the message on board, haven't they, Lee? If they can, uh, yeah, yeah. If they can solve it, I think they will. Yeah, we had, we had a very good meeting with um, with the chair of the PEB a week or so back, and um, SEPA Council are really keen that the examinations go ahead if they possibly can, and that we throw the the weight of the profession behind this. You know, people will come forward; they'll happily volunteer to invigilate if we need lots of remote centres. I don't I don't think there'll be a lack of um, the will to make this happen. And I think the sooner we get that certainty, the better. Just going back to the revision thing, actually. Uh, I mean, it's a while since I revised, and frankly, there was a lot less law when I did it. However, <laughs> we still had to we still had to revise quite hard. And I guess one of the challenges you guys face is actually switching off at all. I mean, presumably you got your, you got your day job, you've got your revision, and you've got you've, we've all lost that natural delineation between work and home. Are you, have you all got good routines for uh, making the break? I think. Shall I take that one first? I don't know. Um, I think for me, 
um, again, things are slightly different because um, we're on a bit of a rotor um, still. So um, we have just a minimal number of attorneys um, in the office, basically, um, each, each day, essentially skeleton um, staff. Um, and then when I am at home, um, what I try to do is sort of wake up in the morning um, try to usually actually do a bit of exercise before I start work. And then because my partner is also um, working from home at the minute and because he started working from home slightly um, before me, he's got the office space. So I'm at the kitchen table. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we tend to, you know, before nine o'clock, we go into our uh, separate rooms and sort of say, right, we'll, we'll work for a solid, you know, two hours before we have our equivalent of a coffee break. Neither of us drink coffee, but you know what I mean. And um, then once we've had a, you know, a 10 minute chat about whatever, um, we go back to our respective rooms and, and work again until lunch. And then we, we basically do that um, throughout the day until it gets to essentially the end of the day. Um, and then we try to both make a, you know, a conscious effort to put our, you know, respective laptops away and almost designate that as the evening and try to do something different, whether that be, I don't know, watch a bit of Netflix or have a Zoom call with, you know, family or friends, or if we haven't done exercise in the morning, we tend to do exercise in the evening, you know, one of those, but we try to really structure our day um, so that despite the fact we're sometimes in the house you know the whole time we try to keep that division between you know what you do in the morning before work work lunchtime work again and then an evening and I think that really helps to yeah to keep some structure to your life because otherwise it kind of work rolls into the evenings the evenings roll into the weekends and it all just becomes you know one and the same thing groundhog day I don't know how you guys Kevin Joel how you guys have been coping? Um, I would say, yeah, creating a routine has been important. I'll be the first one to hold my hands up and say I spent the first week entirely pretty much in my pyjamas and working and thinking that was a great idea. Uh, but the novelty quickly wore off when I realised there was no differentiation between uh, any hour of the day <laughs> within that first week. Um, so whatever that routine is, um, I've been making an effort to make sure I'm either getting changed or whatnot. Um, it could be slipping on your crocs, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, Lee. Um, but um, <clears throat> what's important, I think, is having... I don't know what's been going on there. <laughs> I think what's important is making sure that you've, um, you've got that routine to switch on to from a work mode to a... Uh, revision mode or whether it's just a chill out mode and um you know i'll actually let you in guys in a little secret i've had some practice in this because that is actually outside the window for the readers uh, for the listeners out there that is actually hgf's office right outside my bedroom window so i am very close to work already um so uh, just that mindset that switching close, from work over there to personal life over here is uh, i've had a bit of practice in these last few months so um yeah, it's just it's the mindset for me, definitely making sure that you have that ability to switch over to something, a different task, whatever that might be. I feel so guilty now looking out my window and seeing the rolling downs and the view down to the coast. <laughs> uh, I, I know, I have no comment on that. I have the outside my window, guys. <laughs> I have the Sheffield City Hall as well. It looks quite nice. <laughs> I'm the opposite to Joel in that as soon as we could work from home, I'd left the city. 
I'm living in the city where the office is based. So, but yeah, to add on to your points of having a routine, I think it's living for the weekends for me and making sure that they don't end up as a blip because suddenly it's Friday and then suddenly it's Monday again and you might not have made anything accountable for that time. And we've been trying to have in-house festivals, uh, Zoom like competitions, quizzes and things with family and friends. And we've even had a virtual wedding with some people whose wedding is, it's been postponed, but we hosted something anyway through Zoom and just, well, it's an excuse for everyone to have a drink basically, but there was some vows exchanged and such. It's, it keeps things interesting, makes one weekend different to the last. So um, in, ter- in terms of the, you, you all talk there about the need to have a positive mindset, I think, when working from home. Do you, do you have any support outside of your company? Are there other people or resources that you draw on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The informals committee, obviously, <laughs> and the informals <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> um, no, it's great. We, we've got, um, I can definitely speak for the Yorkshire region anyway, we've got a great uh, associate secretary in the Yorkshire region who's done a really good job at keeping everybody in contact before all of this kicked off and since all of this kicked off. We've got a, uh, an informals pub quiz being hosted soon. So there's a lot, there's a larger network in terms of outside of our firm of all the other trainees around. We're all in the same boat obviously as well. So, uh, you know, sharing resources, um, both academic and just personal hints and tips has always been useful. And also just other colleagues that I've grown up with, been to university with, things like that, friends, family. We're, we're literally all in the same boat here. So um, for the first time probably ever. So it's it's good to have everybody kind of helping and suggesting. And um, yeah, I've got friends who work at completely different firms, completely different industries. We'll hop on a Skype call or a Discord together and just work at the same time together and revise at the same time together. It's almost like sitting across, you know, when you go to the library with someone at university, you go as a, as a two or a three or a four, but you might all be doing the entirely different degrees. You're just there together to work together. And so we've become a lot more, a much more um, community type feel with our work and revision between me and my friends. And- I agree with Joel in that we've had instances where we just arranged to watch the same program. We might not be even in the call, but knowing that someone else is elsewhere watching the same program send a few messages during it to each other just makes it seem less lonely and like you you do have other people there so it's really helps with me connecting just to old friends where during university we would have been binging on tv all day together now we just do it at our respective homes I think for me, um, yeah, I just really rely on, I guess, friends and family, um, yeah, for a, a sort of support network. Um, I guess I'm lucky that I, you know, live with somebody at home, so I'm not, um, you know, I guess lonely in that regard. Whereas if you if you lived at home, I can imagine that at home by yourself, I imagine working from home and living by yourself might be quite lonely. Um, but but yeah, I guess it's just nice to have yeah, the, the person um, I live with, my partner, and yeah, just speak to friends regularly, really, and organising, you know, family Zoom calls. And um, yeah, I guess that's how I <laughs> get by. Yeah, I've, I've, I've become a quiz master. That seems to, to be the role I've occupied in this new world. I don't know whether I like it or not, but it's expected of me now. So every week I have to churn out a quiz. <laughs> uh, if it's not too much of a nosy question to ask what are, what are your worries what are your concerns for the future either the short-term future or the long-term future 
Oh, short term for me is being able to get up at six in the morning again for when I need to make the commute to the office. <laughs> um, that, that's going to be grueling. Um, but we adapt. Uh, Long term, well, I don't know. I, I, it's become a little too comfortable working from home. It's too much of the norm now that it's going to feel quite disjointed going back. And I think as much as we're all missing that office presence and gossip and a coffee with people, it's it's going to be quite jarring because this is the norm. Um, and especially with me having the um, opportunity to live with my partner now, whereas we're usually in separate cities and long distance, it'll be uh, jarring going back to that long distance scenario again. Yeah. I think uh, for me personally, I'm actually on the, uh, the shielding list through some uh, health issues I had when I was much younger. Um, <clears throat> I'm fine now, by the way. Um, but uh, it's been, it, it'll be, there's, there's a little niggle at the back of my mind whether I can go back too early. Or, you know, I'm just, I'm just a bit conscious that things are, might not be back to normal for a much longer period of time, whether it's going to be for me personally or for, for us all in general. And I'm just a little bit, I don't want to go back too early. I don't want to start mixing with people too early. I don't want to, um, I sound like a huge hypochondriac. No, normally I don't really mind these things at all, but uh, um, yeah, it's just, as I got a little bit older and um, I've started getting all of these messages from the NHS and things like that about, you know, I should be really taking my health seriously at this time. I've, uh, I've started to think, right, okay, well, I'd like to know things more factually before I head back into work. So, um, you know, various tests and whatnot maybe a vaccine things like that these are the things i'm kind of half thinking about at the back of my mind um but you know thankfully employers fully supporting all of that and as i said the things will be massively different when we do all go back to the office i know already the building um has put limitations on how many people can be in a lift at the same time and how many people can be in like communal bathrooms and things like that at the same time which is something that you just don't think about at this stage but it's just even going back, there will be differences entirely. And I, I worry about how long it'll take to get back to whatever normal was before, really. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I seriously doubt we'll ever get back to what where we were before. I think this has probably changed the world for the better or for the worse, who knows? But I think, I think we're going back to a different world. I think from my perspective, I think that's what I find most worryingly. I think I I liked my life before um, coronavirus, and um, yeah, I guess as cheesy as that sounds, I'm excited to get back to what I had before. And yeah, I guess my worry is, will we ever get back to you know what what we had before? Um, yeah, things like from a personal perspective. I mean, I was due to get married this this summer. And of course, that's been postponed and we've gone through the whole um, process of rearranging it for, for next March. But, you know, I still have a slight worry, you know, um, about will the wedding be the wedding that I dreamed of, mm. you know. And, you know, my um, partner was due to take part in um, the ITU World Championships, Triathlon Championships in Canada um, this summer. And they've been um, cancelled as well. And I think there again, it's like, you know, will he be able to, will he still have a place? Will he be able to, you know, compete in those championships or, or has that chance gone? Because that might have been a once in a lifetime um, thing that he never gets to do again. So I think, yeah, my concerns are sort of, 
I guess almost the opposite of, of Kevin's and that I'm worried that we won't get back to normality. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of, yeah, would, would quite like to. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's difficult to, it's just well, it's impossible to predict. My, what I think we're going to have for a long time, in case anyone's interested, is what I'm thinking of as a two metre future. I think we're all, I think that's the thing that's going to stay and have a massive impact for a really long time. And actually, Joel, going back to your point, we did a little survey at work and less than, uh, hang on, what's, less than 10% of, of, our, of our workforce actually responded saying they'd be willing to come in at the moment, <clears throat> even if lockdown's lifted, simply because we're central London and the tubes and buses are so terrifying. So it's kind of the secondary impacts are going to be really interesting. But I wanted to kind of, uh, you guys are all in different aspects of the training phase. And so you're in a slightly different position, perhaps from, let's say, a patent attorney who's, you know, qualified and settled in and been doing the same thing for a while. You're still in this transition phase. And so I think for you guys, it is, has a different impact because you don't quite know what it was going to be like anyway. For them. I mean, do you feel that the training experience is, is the same as people have had before you? Do you feel that you've been affected by this or it'll have any long-term effects? I think from my perspective, um, because I may be a little further on in my training, um, I kind of more or less have my own caseload that I, you know, kind of get on with anyway. Um, and obviously I speak regularly with my um, supervisor, but I don't feel like this um, lockdown has changed my um, training experience so much so far. Um, but maybe if it was to, you know, be extended, you know, a, a lot longer, I might start to see the, the impact of that. But at the minute, I think... I think I'm okay from from my side of things. Um, I don't know, Joel, Kevin, how you feel um, being a little more early on in your training. I guess I'm at the opposite. Sorry, but, sorry. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. just I was going to go to me because I'm way at the other end of you, Carolyn, and the earliest one potentially here in training wise. So I pretty much am very reliant on getting that work stream down from senior fee earners, and if that dries up there's I, I can be left for not much to do basically but thankfully that hasn't happened and uh, as opposed to our open door policy of me going up and down a corridor banging and saying have you got any work I've got capacity I'm just doing it via email and letting people know and we have bi-weekly meetings where people will say how much capacity they have or whether they can take on more and I think it's just keeping those communication channels open to warn people when you may need some more work um, on your plate and uh, doing it in advance enough that they can uh, get it to you. But training-wise, I've not been too worried so far. I think it's it's much of the same. It's the same sort of work that I'm doing as I would have been if we were in the office. Um, thankfully, it's it's going on track as far as I can tell so far. Yeah, and I'd agree. To be honest with both of you, um, I, the the daily work hasn't really changed at all. How we finish cases and settle cases has changed drastically. But really, it, it was still, previously I'd go and sit in the partner's office and we'd open up the case file and we'd look at it and he'd make some comments and I'd go back and revise them and then he'd accept them and he'd sign it and off it went. That's still the same. It's just, instead of sitting next to him, um, he's sharing his screen and I'm sitting on the other end of a computer. Every now and then it might go a bit blocky and I can't really read anything or his voice might stutter because of a poor connection but 
he just repeats it and we, we crack on. And I don't think it's been that different um, just in terms of the actual output and what we're doing on a daily basis hasn't been that different yet. I can't really envisage anything being any different either, um, which is good to say and good to report, I think. Um, it just goes to show that our profession is quite remote and we can do it. Um, it was... Yeah, it was it was a big scale up operation to move remote, but once it was done, it was kind of BAU all the way. Remote, resilient, and resourceful. Well done, British profession. Thumbs up from me. <laughs> I'm conscious that we've um, we've already been talking for a fairly uh, reasonable amount of time, and you three uh, naturals at this, you must come back and do this again because um, I think I think Willem and I could keep talking forever. This is, uh, this is a really easy one to record. But I'll, I'll try and get us towards something that feels a bit like a natural conclusion. So, um, so an open question, come in, come, in, come in as you see fit on this. What have you learned as individuals from this crisis that you might carry with you into the new world, whatever it looks like? We have no idea, really, what we're going back to. You. What, what, what have been the big things that you've learned? What do you want to hold on to? in the uh, in the in the post covid world i'm happy to start um so for me it's harkening back to the um what we mentioned with having zoom social conversations with friends and family even when the world opens up again and i go back to nottingham some of my nearest and dearest aren't in nottingham and there's just not enough hours in the day really to go and visit all of the people you'd want to um who may be in different countries, different parts of the UK. So I, I think it'll be trying to maintain having an online social activity with friends and family, even after this is stopped and we're able to just go to the pub. Why not go home for that evening and strike up a, a quiz, especially if you can get Lee as quiz master in, then hey. jobs are good. And... Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's, it... Keeping, I've seen some of some, more of some of my friends this since lockdown than I have since before lockdown, which has been great. Um, I think on a day-to-day basis, um, when I ask people how they are and how they're getting on, I think everybody now understands that means a lot more than it used to. Um, it used to just be a, like a formality or a pleasant uh, a courtesy that you pay people when you bumped into them for it after the first time after a while, but now it actually means something. And when you part ways for the day or when you stop talking to people, you say, stay safe, keep healthy. That, that now means a lot more than it used to. Um, so those sentiments, I really hope they stay. And that when I ask them questions and people ask me them questions, I give them the same appreciation that I am at the moment. Um, that, that would be great to keep just from a humanitarian point of view. That's, that's a, it's been a really wonderful thing to have people feel like they're actually care and when they talk to you they they do want to know how you are and they're wishing you well and that you stay healthy i hate to just follow the crowd but i think it's um yeah fairly similar um for me really like i think joel just mentioned that um he's actually spoken to some people more um during the lockdown than he had before the lockdown and i think that's actually um the same with me like a lot of my family and friends don't live um, close to me um, and I guess I didn't see that much of them before the lockdown but the minute I was told that I couldn't see them I felt so much worse than I um, felt beforehand when when I didn't see that much of them anyway um, and now we've made a you know kind of a big effort to see each other regularly 
um, you know, via Zoom, that I, I hope that, yeah, continues um, going forward because it's a great way to, to catch up, especially with like, like people like my sister has um, a, young, a young baby and it's very hard to, she lives up in Manchester and it's very hard to, you know, see her regularly and, and the child regularly and actually having regular Zooms has been really nice. Um, so I hope that I hope that continues. How about you, Gwilym? Have you learned anything since the last time I asked you this question? <laughs> I've been racking my brain because if you're going to ask me this every time we do a podcast, I'm going to end up with an astonishing amount of pre-post-lockdown skills. But <laughs> I'll just echo what these guys are saying. Actually, it's very interesting. I was I was actually I went to school in Hong Kong, so my friends are scattered all over the world, and I think that next weekend we've managed to organise. Uh, Zoomy or whatever get together with uh, New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, Dubai, um, New York, Germany, somewhere else, and we try to find a time zone that we can do it. But we're doing it. We're just you know we're just held to time zones, and let's actually get in touch with people, some of whom you just never quite got around to doing. So the same sort of thing. Um, it's been said to me that a lot of this is about the end of geography. Um, this whole this whole experience and. I think that's quite exciting. And what we're kind of all talking about is, yeah, you don't have to walk or drive or fly somewhere. We've, and we've had that capability. It's fantastic. It's kind of been unleashed through this. And yeah, I agree. It's not going to go back in the box. And Lee, come on. Come on, Lee, what have you got? Okay, well, I, um, I think I've learned, and probably more in the last two weeks than any other time, it's all right to say you're not okay. So, you know, throughout, throughout this whole period, it's been quite... Um, reassuring actually if i've been in a conversation with someone maybe the super officers yourself included Gwilym, or the super staff or i've also got a network of chief execs of other associations and when when we're in these types of um zoom calls just to be able to say i'm struggling a little bit at the moment and people are there for you more more they probably were always there in the past but maybe we didn't open up and say actually i could do with a shoulder at the moment it's a virtual shoulder in the current world but um yeah that's my big takeout it's actually okay to say yeah i'm struggling a wee bit and I think that's probably quite a nice place to end it, if that's okay with everybody. Carolyn, yeah. Kevin, Joel, thank you so much for your time. Just a couple of little shout outs before we end. The first one, obviously, for the informals. If you are a student member of CEPA, if you're involved in training at whatever stage that might be, and you're not making the most of the support the informals can give you, particularly at this time, then do so. You'd be absolutely um, mad not to take advantage of that. And also, um, if you are in isolation, finding it a wee bit tough. Don't forget, if SEPA can't be there for you in terms of um, the times when you need us to be, then we do support an organisation called Lawcare, lawcare.org.uk, uh, and they're there to support all kinds of legal professionals at times when uh, when it may be a wee bit tough, the current crisis included. So um, thanks, everyone. It's been great. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks.